0: You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. So, this past weekend, we enjoyed the third live Bride Tribe event in person, I should say. Bride Tribe. Event And it was called the Bride Tribe Spring Advance 2019. Now, we had over 80 people register, which we were very excited about. And, well, the event was beyond words. It was just incredible to see the presence and power of God at work the way we witnessed it. I, 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 of course, as the head of this ministry, was overjoyed, you know, to, to, to know that God was so interested <laughs> in showing up and showing up big time. Uh, we had incredible worship. Uh, there were incredible words and teachings that went forth from both myself and others and the fellowship and the community was just spectacular. I, I, I mean, how, how does it work that people from all over the country come together, don't know each other? Even our worship team didn't know each other. We, we had people coming from three areas of the United States to to play together without any practice beforehand. It was a really an interesting thing that God pulled together. For our event, but it worked and people left healed and delivered and blessed, and transformed and excited. Well, we are going to be doing it again in the fall. Now, I, I, I don't really or historically haven't made much of a big deal about our, our uh, in-person events on the podcast because... Uh, we've been building a community intentionally, and, and so we've been promoting our live events, our in-person events, through the Fireplace Church. And of course, uh, that's where you can go to get more details. We meet every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And to join, all you have to do is go to our website at brideministriesinternational.com and go to the church tab, and there will be two buttons when you go on our Uh, Bride Ministries Church page. It'll say Zoom and it'll say YouTube, and that's where you can join and and participate. We have online groups that meet throughout the week. Again, that's always promoted from the the uh, Bride Ministries Church platform because that's where people are getting to know each other and connect. And so, I want to encourage you if you want to be part of stuff like this in the future. Hang out with us. Uh, Become a little bit more intentional about getting engaged with the Bride Tribe community. And by the way, uh, if you are on our email list, you will also get updates as to, you know, how to sign up for future live events. Now, I am going to be at a live event in Oklahoma City, and that's coming up at the very end of the month of May. And all of the details are on our front page, our homepage at Bride International com. I'm very excited to be invited and uh, 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 by Embassy Covenant, and I. Uh, I, I I want to invite you if you are going to be in the area, you're not too far away from Oklahoma city. Why don't you come on down, shake my hand. I'd love to meet you. There's going to be some other speakers there. I I, I know one of them and he's incredible. I I don't know the others yet, but I'm very excited about getting to make some new friends as well, fellow ministers and so forth. And so um, that is coming up. Details are on our homepage with that said. Uh, there's a lot more that, that's growing at Bride Ministries. We, we have 10 courses at our Bride Ministries Institute. And from the beginning, I knew that I had a mandate to create the first 10 courses. Ending at this most recent course, we released Realms and Dimensions Unsealed. And now what we are going to do is we're going to set up a standard at Bride Ministries, meaning that All future leaders are going to be required to have completed the whole school because we're trying to set up a situation where everyone that is perceived to be in any kind of way a leader or representative of our ministry has the understanding or a level of the understanding that I carry. Um, we 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 have you know <laughs> had some di- different kinds of situations arise along the way as we've started to grow this ministry and onboard help and so forth. But one of the things that I am convinced of right now is that putting a consistency among those that are perceived to have leadership capacity within our group uh, should have a certain standard foundation and so we're setting that in place now and this is something we couldn't do before but I'm very excited about that and so for those of you that are looking forward to getting more involved with bride ministries in the future that's your starting pattern. And by the way the school is a massive engine of activation so i recommend it to everyone i mean it doesn't matter if you want to be involved with the bride or you want to go off and just you know follow the mandates the lord has for your life this is an engine of activation it's activation for your inner healing journey it's activation for your personal deliverance it's activation for your deliverance ministry towards others it's active for your human spirit in more ways than you probably would expect and also an activation for the foundation of your understanding of grace and the kingdom of what it means to be in christ and how to pray and all this stuff i mean it, this school is really really um powerful and deep and so i just want to make sure you're aware that all of these resources are, are, are there and um you know, we're, we're going to be uh, create uh, setting up creative ways to help people get through that school over time. Um, with that said, we're going to get into an amazing program today. I have a new guest. I haven't introduced him to you before, but he is a powerful man of God, and so with all of this said, I'm not going to take any more of the podcast time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. <laughs> Folks, it's so good to be back with you. I am very excited to be introducing you to a new friend. I have met another gentleman by the name of Richard Mull, thanks to an email we received from him not too long ago, and came to learn that, like me, he is also now working with survivors of all kinds of abuse past, including satanic ritual abuse, including Uh, some government stuff, some super soldier stuff. He is a renowned author, speaker, and ministry leader. He's been featured on television, JCTV, the 700 Club, CTN, and Sky Angel. So they're all exuberant about (laughs) the kind of ministry he's diving into now, I'm sure. Um, But he has had books go out all around the world where Hundreds of thousands have utilized his material. He is the founder and president of Operation Light Force, a ministry near Tampa, Florida. And his website is www.OperationLightForce.com. Richard, it's so good to have you on the program.
1: It's great to be on your program. Thank you for inviting
0: me. Well, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm always looking to meet new people individuals that God is calling to the the mountain of bringing transformation to the most broken uh it is not uh an easy territory to get assigned and um you know that quite well and so uh as we were preparing to get into this conversation, we just started talking and sharing stories. And um, I, and folks, I'm just going to be honest. I said, Richard, we have to stop and we just have to jump right into this because this is too good to waste on just our conversation. The folks need to hear this. So we're going to jump right in. And you were just beginning to tell me about a deliverance that you witnessed uh, when God was first calling you into this area of ministry uh, that kind of Mm -hmm. made you feel some kinds of ways and and i just want to let you tell the story and we'll kind of launch from there into whatever else the lord has us talking about this this program yeah
1: yeah well um yeah it's an interesting story and and you know what i i try to guard everybody's story um people that come for ministry um because we're, we're dealing with people who sometimes when you've been abused, even though you didn't do anything wrong, you're still ashamed of it, you know? And, uh, and so there are a handful of people that said, you can tell anything. And, uh, the, the guy I'm talking about right now is one of those who said, you can tell anybody my story anytime, uh, if it helps somebody else. Um, and so, yeah, his name is Gary and, uh, he is still on a journey. He, um, he's been harder to connect with for ministry because there's nobody in all my years of ministry that experiences a deeper level of spiritual opposition. Um, This guy, he will witness at the gas station. He'll witness, he witnesses at crack houses, he witnesses anywhere. Um, But, but he goes and sits in church and witches will come and sit by him. Um, I, 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 I mean, he gets solicited by which is all kind of stuff, um, and so he has lived. He, he lived all of his life before meeting me, like hundred percent almost for the devil. Um, he was. He, he actually had a pretty high paying job in a pharmaceutical company um, that drug tests on a regular basis. But he was doing all kind of drugs. Every weekend was with different women paid for it. And, but, but that fit his whole life, you know? So to him, that was just life. And um, some family members had invited him to church and it was weird. I was, I was uh, at this church for a matter of about five weeks. And I think it was the second week there. It was a mega church and uh, I was, I was helping out with some things and uh, and as he was walking out the front door, greeting you know the pastors greeting people he fell out started manifesting and they came and got me and so where i where i entered the story was was they, they people like they scurry to find me at this church and bring me into a back room where where he is and um and you know their eyes are bugged out and, and they're coming to get me so i come in this room and the guy's about five times my muscle mass um and uh you know lived in the gym steroids, everything. And so it, when I walk into the room, he had been pretty calm. I was there with family he, well the family. But actually, let me tell you, first time I walked in there and the Lord began to give me words of knowledge. And so, and he just started in tears. He's like, how do you know all these things about me? And uh, And so we prayed over him. But the next day I was actually ministering to someone and she, this lady's opening up about being raped and I'm ministering to her. And they come into the room where I'm ministering, and they said, we need you to come right now. And I said, I can't walk out on this lady at this moment. I was like, so I was like, how do I de-escalate? She's opened up one of the hardest things to open up about. And, and but these are the, the leaders of the church, and they're going, no, we need you to come right now. And so I, I de-escalate, I put her in a better place, and I said, we will get back with you as quickly as we can. And I go out and I walk in this room, and they basically just said, "He's back," you know. And I knew who they were talking about. So um, I, I walk in the room, and he grabs the chair that he's sitting in, and he and it looks like he's gonna break this chair. And uh, and he's lifting it up off the ground, and then he points at me. He goes, "I'm gonna kill you and your wife and your children if you don't get out of here now." And I was, and I just was like, it was, it was interesting because I've heard stories about people that get thrown around the room and stuff like that. And, and my experience has been, and, and my belief is that I have supernatural protection. I don't have to be afraid of the enemy. And I have had people lunge at me, wrap their arms around my throat. And it's weird because in some ways, spiritually, you can prepare for that, but you're never really, you like, that just doesn't happen. But in the moment when the Holy Spirit's in charge, I remember, I mean, this lady, like fingernails. And, and I was like, you can't hurt me. Hmm. And, and she couldn't, she was like, try. I said, you're trying to squeeze and you can't squeeze. Hmm. And I was like, and, and it was weird because with this lady, I'd been trying to get her to trust me because the demonic was speaking to her as I was talking to her and threatening her. So here she is. And I said, I said, the Lord wants you to know that the Jesus in me is more powerful than the demons that are talking to you. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait this a minute. was another experience. So this so we just jumped to another experience yeah, with the anecdote. Back to Gary. But see, those okay. experiences kind of prepare you for this yeah. moment, you know? So here I am in this moment and I and I just and I walked towards him. I, it was weird because the way I would describe it is there was a spirit there was some kind of thing in the room that was telling me to be afraid. And it was like coming from this side of the room, and it was like, if you ever needed to be afraid, it's now. And in the natural, anybody looking at it would have said, run, Richard, run, you know. And I just walked towards him and went to lay hands on him. And he's trying to go through the wall. And it was like, it was a bookcase here and he's pushing books off the shelf, trying to get away from me. And and there's curtains. It, it was an inner room, but the curtains were so that they could have private meetings. And he's ripping these, these blinds off the window and, and books off the shelf. And, uh, and I just began to take authority, and he ends up on the ground. And so, you know, we're, we're, he, I'm leading him through repentance. We're casting stuff out of him. And um, so fast forward a year of periodic interactions with him where he was glorious delivered. He's witnessing to everybody, but he would end up, um, you know, opening up a major door in his life. Demonic would all come back on him. And we'd have to get him through ministry again, and and because t- to tell him to not have sex would have been like, hey, don't ever take a drink of coffee again, you know. I mean, it was just like, what, you know? So discipleship was a serious, interesting journey with him, um, and and so when, when he would open up doors back, the demonic would come, and and it seriously, I mean, every story about how the doors would get opened back up is an interesting story. Uh, I had never witnessed anything like this. Um, so fast forward a year and I was like, one, it was one of the hardest cases I had ever dealt with in ministry. And so I was dealing with an, an international apostle, a, a, a pastor of pastors. I mean, out of Africa, lives the world of deliverance. Of In apostles in Africa, there's probably not an apostle that doesn't know this guy. You know? and and their church it's it's um one of the largest churches in in the nation uh, that they live in and in every city in their nation is an offshoot of their church and they're the biggest churches and um anointed in prayer anointed in deliverance all this stuff so i get him ministering to this guy and after two hours to get one demon out which is just not my experience he was like it is finished he is free and i was like no. So anyways, at the end of this two hours, the guy's sweating. The guy's, you know. It,
0: how, 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 how did this two hours go? Was, was it just a lot of yelling and, you know. No, that, we don't yell. Um, okay.
1: He yells. Like, he's, he would call all the demons in hell to come and help him. And ah. he, he rips his shirt into two pieces and, and says, I'm the master of the universe. I mean, there's all kind of. We're not. I'm not a theatrical deliverance person. Mm. But with him, I just walk in the room and the demons begin to manifest. And um, so, um, you know, we we took him through renunciations. We, you know, there's way more stuff than I'm used to dealing with in that arena. But I get down on the floor with him because I began to go, there's, we're not just dealing with demons. And I said, is there a little boy here? Now, you got to understand when this guy talks, his normal voice is like this. And so... You know, I just, at the end of, and then you got demons. I call all the demons in hell, you know, and I'm like, uh, so I'm like, I get out on the floor with him. He's exhausted. I said, is there a little boy here? And out of his mouth he goes, yes. I said, how old are you? I'm four years old. And next thing I know I'm talking to, and, and there were stories that began to unfold of what he had been made to do. Mm-hmm. There were Catholic priests involved. There was high level Masons involved. There was all this stuff that was coming out. Four, six, eight, ten, you know, all just unbelievable, sad stuff that he had been forced to participate in, that he had gone through. And um, so for the first time, there was a lady that was in his life that had a spirit of witchcraft on her that he couldn't leave. And it was, it was like, I don't know if you've ever ministered to someone where you go, you want to say, can't you just stop, you know, but
0: he couldn't. Oh, no, I've I've never. (laughs) But that day
1: he went home, packed his stuff, moved out. He hadn't been able to in two years of ministry. That was one of the primary doorways for the enemy. And it was easy for him to walk out because it was those kids that couldn't leave that relationship. And so, um, you know, it's interesting because we've only been able to do broken soul a handful of times. And every time we've uncovered heavy demonic stuff, but it's hard to get him to a ministry appointment. Now all hell breaks loose. Um, He called me today and he goes, I want to come and, I know the level of warfare that's going to happen to keep him away. And, and so a lot of times I'll even have several people prepared to be here with me to minister and he doesn't end up showing up. And, um, I, in all the years there's only, he, he takes the cake in that arena, but, um, yeah. So yeah, we've been swimming in the deep end of the pool.
0: All right. So let, 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 (laughs) you want to back up a little bit (laughs) now that we know a little bit of window into what you're dealing with uh this is so much fun you rub shoulders with all kinds of household names so to speak uh, at least for a good part of the you know body of christ in america and you have a long track record of ministry and so just you know in in brief uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your entrance into ministry, uh, a little bit about your heart for equipping people to hear the voice of God, which is a major, major sticking point of your ministry, and then how God ultimately got you from that the signs, wonders, and miracles, and all the fantastic stuff that you were moving in, and into this world where, you know, we deal with everything. <laughs> <laughs> of the that the kingdom of darkness has to offer. So, um, I'll give you the super
1: condensed, fast version of of the broad history. Um, yes. I mean, I grew up in a Christian family, went to church every time the doors were open, mostly Baptist, mainline evangelical. I um, actually went to a Baptist college for one year, and um, I don't know if anyone would even know the me- meaning of this word, but I, it was neo-Orthodox theologically, which means they believe the Bible contains Scripture, um, the Word of God, but it isn't all the Word of God, that it's myths, fairy tales, and, and, and so I was blown away because that's not how I grew up believing the Word. So um, I went from there to Bible College Seminary. I had felt called into ministry when I was 12 years old. I mean, not 12 years old. I was about 15 years old. And, um, and so I was just on the main track for mainline evangelical. First church um, is, was a mega church before most people knew what that word meant. You know, we were one of the fastest growing seeker-sensitive Baptist cell group church. Those words were not normally in the same sentence back when I was doing that. And, um, and, but it was weird. I was helping write the discipleship curriculum mm-hmm. and we were copying Willow Creek and Saddleback. And, you know, sometimes you start asking a question and you wish you didn't ask the question. I, I, I was asking the question, wonder what Jesus taught his disciples. And, <laughs> um, and, and so I started studying that and I knew how to dive into the word intensely, And every time I open up the Bible, it was so easy to see. And all I would do is want to close the Bible and forget that I ever asked that question and not approach it. Because I couldn't get past the fact that he took 12 ordinary guys. And he taught them to cast out evil spirits, to heal the sick, and to preach the kingdom of God. Seven years of theological training, I had zero classes on those subjects. Every time I had darkened the doors of the church, I had never had one person talk about how to pray effectively for sick people or how to cast out an evil spirit. And I'd only run into a handful of times where I knew we were looking at the demonic, but nobody around was even willing to admit that or knew what to do. And a couple of times was in Bible college where there were people that manifested demons and it was like, If you were going to even say it out loud, they were going to like, you know, cover your mouth and turn to the side and go, is that demons? You know, because you're afraid of being kicked out of school for saying the word demons, you know. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration, but really there was nobody to talk to or to go to with any of those kind of things. And and so I prayed a crazy prayer. I said, Lord, if this is what it means to be a disciple, would you disciple me? and
0: whoa he took me serious (laughs) i love that that is a powerful prayer yeah that was the title of
1: my first book lord disciple me wow Mm. because i was like i didn't know who to turn to or where to go to learn any of that i didn't want to go around any of those quote charismatic people because i thought none of them actually read their bibles or had any intelligence i thought they just we're all emotional and blah, 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 blah. You know, Um, little did I know that many of them are amazing students of the word. Now many aren't, I mean, there's the mixture, but, but I find that there is a a network of people that would typically be written off as quote charismatic, who I think are some of the best students of the word because they don't try to figure out what God really meant. Mm. They believe that when you read it in the word, that's what it, was intended for in fact that's what the, the way that they read the word almost everywhere in the world except in america you know in our theological schools we understand why god doesn't do today what he did two thousand years ago and um you know so i um yeah so it was a very interesting journey i um i had a prophet walk up off the street i, I had prayed a crazy prayer i said god because my degrees were in missions and I was headed overseas to plant churches and people were telling me God told them I'm supposed to stay here. Well, at that time, I did not know how to hear God's voice. I had never had a one class on how to hear God's voice. And my pastor was telling me God told him I'm supposed to stay here. And I'm thinking, sure, I'm the lowest paid pastor on staff. We got 10 pastors and our youth group is flourishing. Of course you heard God, you know, and some of them were my best friends, you know, and I knew they were pretty spiritually on fire. But I'm like, yeah, but you heard God because you don't want to see me leave. I said, I get that. I don't want to leave, my friends. I don't want to leave. But I'm ready to go wherever the Lord has. So all that to say, I started praying another crazy prayer. I said, Lord, if it's your will for me to stay here, would you send someone to walk up off the street that doesn't know me from Adam? Like someone who I've never met before. If somebody walks up to me and tells me God told them I'm supposed to stay here, then I will stay here. I did a four-day fast, finished my fast on Thursday, and on Monday morning, the receptionist calls me and says, Richard, there's a guy here who wants to speak to a pastor. And that, I don't, you know, and we had people show up, you know, and they usually needed prayer for something or whatever. So I just walk out there, and there's a guy with a long beard, long hair, dirty hands, missing half his teeth, an old beat-up pickup truck outside the glass windows, and introduces himself as Pastor Cecil. And I was like, all right, how can I help you? And he says, my name is Cecil. I work with transvestites, prostitutes, and homosexuals in the inner city of Tampa. I'm thinking he's going to ask for money or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he says, the only thing I know I'm supposed to say is this. God told me today to come in here and speak to a pastor and tell him, sometimes we feel like God wants us to go far away, like another country. And that's where he's going to use us. When in reality, he wants us to stay right where we are. And that's where he's going to use us to make an impact. And he's crying. He goes, I don't know why I'm saying this, but God told me they had to come in here and tell this to a preacher. So I was like, pick me up off the floor.
0: Come on.
1: Come back to my office. And he and he answered two other prayers that I had prayed that we did I had never prayed before. One was about alcohol, because I was going to Europe and and everybody there drinks, and I had never drunk. And I had had my first wine at a Baptist church in communion. I have my first beer with some missionaries who ordered me a beer and I drank it because, you know, I I had no desire to drink a beer, but I did. And so that week I'd been going, God, I don't want to drink because everybody else does, but I don't want to not drink because I knew my mom was upset. She had heard that I'd had, you know, some alcohol. I was like, God, I'm thirty-something years old at the time. And this guy goes, for some reason, God's telling me to tell you to stay away from all intoxicants. And I was like, you are freaking me out. And I had also been praying about the inner city of Tampa. Why did I weep when I drove past the inner city of Tampa? And, and I'm headed over to Europe to plant churches. And he said, God wants to use you in the inner city of Tampa. And so I was like, all right, he's been reading my mail. He has talked to my best friends, found out something, you know. And I, but I knew God spoke to this guy and sent him. So anyways, that really for me began that quest of going, I want to know if this guy can hear God, Mm -hmm. can I hear God? So I began a quest to learn how to hear God's voice and, and began to hear him speak to me and have him direct my path. And, and, and anything, I think one of the marks of what I do um, is I, if I'm going to teach on a subject or speak on a subject, I usually want to go, I don't want to find someone who has studied, the word on this subject more than me. Now, I'm not saying I've done that, but that's the way I attack it. So when I was going to write on hearing God's voice, I ended up creating a study Bible. And it's, if you just can see the colors, anytime you see color, it's God speaking. I highlighted every time and every way that God speaks from Genesis to Revelation. I had no idea how much of the Bible was God speaking. If you see purple, that's God speaking first person. You'll see purple from Genesis to Revelation. Blue is angels, dreams, and visions. Yellow or gold is what we call it, is every act of God. So every miracle is highlighted in this Bible because God speaks through his actions as well as his words. The whole law is colorized brown because it was all given by God but the way Moses presents it is in the third person. So anytime that God speaks a message, but it's given to us in the third person, that's highlighted brown, which is a small percentage. And then the words of Christ, of course, are in red. And, and I had no idea. And every book at the beginning of each book is who God spoke to. Because I, I believe that God spoke to important people. And I knew I was not on that spectrum. You know, he speaks to a prophet. He speaks to to apostles. He speaks to the patriarchs. But, you know, he speaks to servants. He speaks to pagans. He speaks to almost every single character in the Bible. He has some type of revelation from God. There are dreams from Genesis to Revelation. There are angels from Genesis to Revelation. God, I mean, it is, and so I I feel bad for anybody that wants to get into an argument about what the Bible says about hearing God's voice and God speaking, because well, I have such an unfair advantage, you uh, know. <laughs> in that, it, like, I mean, I'm not into arguing, but if, you know, you, know if,
0: you, you you remind me of like the ultimate like frustrated can I say Baptist convert (laughs) because it's because I've been in Baptist churches too. And, and there's a certain agreement that, you know, the works of God are rather limited on this side of the veil. You know, he expects obedience. He wants us to believe in Jesus he wants us to do good, good works and show love to others. But miracles, signs, and wonders—nah. Hearing God actually talk to you, weird. Demons—we don't really play around with that. Maybe one or two Baptist ministers actually get over there and I, are accepted. But, but you know, when when individuals like myself have come out, it's like oh, I'm so frustrated because now I know all of this, and then you like want to like. Just dive in and find every reason why you're right, and you're like the guy that did that. You went and highlighted the whole Bible and created something that we could get our hands on so i, I I'm thinking that's really cool but um so and people can pick this up off your website and Amazon and all kinds of yeah. places right yeah very cool very cool um okay, so you did this study. Now, you know, God could speak to you. You started training others to hear the voice of God. How does that open things up to the point that you start doing deliverance and inner healing on very deep levels?
1: You know, it's interesting because I even actually really feel like I learned to hear God while doing ministry. Um, I didn't hang up a shingle. I did not tell anybody that I know anything about deliverance. I would be leading worship and, and kids would start manifesting demons i'd be speaking a revival up in North Carolina, and a deacon starts manifesting demons um, for six months everywhere I spoke or led worship somebody would manifest demons i mean it it um it was i'd been asking God to teach me these things i didn't mean in my meetings you know. <clears throat> I didn't know where he was going to teach me. I thought somebody's going to take, you know, I'm going to find a class on, on this. And I would go to pastors and I would tell them what I, you know, charismatic denominations. I don't want to say what denominations, but I'd go to them because I'm thinking they all know this stuff. And they'd be like, oh man, you want to stay away from that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm just talking about, I want to know the stuff Jesus taught his disciples. And they're like, ah, that demon stuff, you want to stay away from it. That's for the weirdos. That's for the fringe. And I'd be like, Jesus must've been a weirdo and friends then. And so I didn't have any mentors. You know, I, I just was studying the word of God, wanting to do the stuff and see the stuff. And I'd get an invitation to speak. And it was, it was weird. I remember the first time it ever happened. I was doing a college retreat and, um, Baptist church, mega church. And, um, and I was um, speaking at their college retreat and I was teaching from the book of Acts and I was calling it extreme Christianity. I said, what we would call extreme today was normal in the Bible. Now I had zero experience, but it, I was immersing myself in the word. And, I, and so I was talking about how many of you would like to experience this type of Christian life. Every kid in the room stood up and was like, yes, I, this is what I want. Mm. Well, I'm used to who wants to receive Jesus, by buyer, head close your eyes, you know, raise your hand. And I was like, what do I do now? Everybody's standing up. Everybody wants something that I had no idea what I'm talking about, but everybody's fired up about it. You know? So I was like, I'm just going to go around the room and lay hands on people. Now I probably saw that somewhere, you know, some of those weirdos or something. So, but I don't know any better. So I'm walking around the room laying hands and this girl sits down and she starts to rock and she starts to pull her hair and pull on her shirt. And she was a beautiful young lady. And, and, um, and the closer I get, the more I'm thinking I need to just bolt because I have no idea what's going on here. I think she's manifesting demons and I have no idea what to do. And I walk up to her and, um, and I'm um, sorry, somebody just poked in my office. Um, and, and, and so I, I um, walk up to her and she's seriously, and this is my first time ever. Whoa. And I was like, okay, Lord show me what to do. And so I start, um, I know I'm supposed to pray about the blood of Jesus and take authority in the name of Jesus and with no training whatsoever. I'm just, and I'm thinking, I must've heard this somewhere. It's good theology. All right, I'm just going to do this. And I feel like I'm supposed to pray in tongues. Well, that was something that I'd only done in private. And here I am at a meeting. So I kind of cover my mouth and pray it under my breath and tongues a little bit. And then I feel like I'm supposed to shout freedom. And at this point, I'm going, I must be just pulling straws. I must have flipped through the channels and hung a little too long on one of the TV evangelists. But I don't know any better. I'm just going to do what I think God's telling me. So I just said, freedom in Jesus' name, you know, louder than that. And all of a sudden, she just looks up at me. She's all embarrassed, and she covers her eyes. And I turn around, and I start explaining to everybody what just happened. Like I know what I'm talking about and I have no idea, but it sounds amazing what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it lit this group on fire. I mean, kids went into the ministry after that retreat. And I, and I asked this girl, I said, I said, what happened tonight? And she goes, as soon as you walked in the room, the voices in my head started going crazy and said, get out of here, get out of here. And, and she goes, the reason I came to this church is I knew the power of God was not here. And when you walked in the room, she goes, I knew I was in trouble. So I was like going, I, I had no idea what the power of God was. I didn't know I, I was operating in any power of God. I just I just began to get desperate. I just wanted more of him, and I'm, and I'm wanting what I see in the word. So when that happened or what happened, I don't know. But God took me serious, and it was Him. It was His power that was showing up, and He goes, I'm gonna answer your prayer. Watch what happens when the power of God shows up, you know? And um, so, you know, it, it, and it was all kind of amazing stories every month, every couple weeks. Um, wow. So that was 20 years ago.
0: So it was like a ramping up, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, so, because, because whatever you carried, was the power of God and this specific anointing and mantles assigned to you. I mean, it certainly shook up the kingdom of darkness. They they, they were actually intimidated. I,
1: I have had so many people tell me the first time they saw me, they wanted to kill me. Oh no. um, And they hated me and stuff like that. And it was, it's, it's usually, I hear it when I'm doing deliverance and they're like going, now I understand. I go, understand what? And like, one of them was, was at our church, and uh, so he was coming in. We cast the spirit of death out of him, and he goes, and he starts telling me the story. He goes, I walked into the church the first time, and I've been the worship leader at that church. So I was tuning my guitar, and he said, we walked through the doors, and I looked up, and I saw you there, and I said, I hate that man. And my wife looked at me, and I goes, I don't know. It's just a, something weird, but I, I hate that guy. He said, I sat through the whole service thinking of ways to kill you. And he he was a Green Beret, ex-Green Beret. All, he just looked like a medium build older gentleman to me. I didn't know he was green beret, you know? And, um, and so I was like, thank you for not, you know, yeah. Following through with that. And um, I mean, just like, you know, I, I have been told that maybe a hundred times now people said they thought about killing me. The voices are telling them to kill me. Um, you know, so it, it is kind of cool. Cause I was like, we we're just studying Daniel nine and 10 and you got Gabriel saying to him, man of high esteem. But then you've got the seven sons of Sceva and the demons go, we know who Paul is and we know who Jesus is, but who are you, you know, mm-hmm. to the seven sons of Sceva. So I'm like going, <laughs> it's, it's a cool mark when you're known in heaven or when you're known in hell, but um, you know, well, it's interesting.
0: And I, I, I just want to make a comment on that because, you know, I, I, I <laughs> let me just say this. There are a lot of churches and leaders that will go unnamed that if you or I were to talk to them behind closed doors, they would say, there are certain things we won't do and don't do because we don't want to tick off the devil and deal with the backfire. So they are intimidated by the devil. Now they will paint that as the proper protocol for having church, but truly there's a root of fear and often a few experience of feeling lesser than when there's a power confrontation and they do not overcome in Christ during that situation and walk away licking their wounds and say, we're not, we're not treading there anymore. We'll stay here and we'll camp. And I, I am very given over to the idea that it should be the, devil getting bullied by the believers and the powers of darkness getting intimidated when we show up. And I love it when I get to sit down with another man or woman of God, not just talking about it, but demonstrating that because then it becomes real. It's like, well, you and me and listener, (laughs) it could be you too. And uh, so so I just so respect that and appreciate that about you. I just need to say that.
1: It is. It's always interesting. Yeah.
0: So, and and, and this gets into a little bit more about, you know, the reality of ministry, right? Because, you know, I love order and right governance, but I believe, and you can give your thoughts on this later, that order in the church has been a reflection of the, Uh, structures of the soul realm, more so than a reflection of what is established in the heavenly sphere. And so people that are promoted are those often that are most properly suited for the system versus those that are actually being set in alignment with the, the blueprints of heaven. And so I, I find a lot of of people that it's like they have power, but they don't have the position. And there are people with the position that don't have the power. And there are a few people that do map both the position and the power, but it 's a scatter plot, and so you have situations and i 've had people come to me and i 'm just going to share this in a very brief explanation uh, come to a conference of you know m- ranking ministers, and their parts that are able to scan the environment will tell them you know there's only one or maybe. Two individuals or leaders here that pose a threat no one else is worth even considering as a threat yet they are leading large works so there's position without recognized authority and power in the spirit world yet sometimes if Dan Duvall is sitting in the back row the front row demons are panicking not because of the pastor I mean but because I'm there and I'm sitting there, not necessarily doing anything. Um, And I'm sure you've experienced things like this. It's actually the realm that you carry in Christ, the authority, the mantle, that when you walk into a room, even if you're not at the front, there's a recognition. And I think that there's a day and hour coming now where God's like, look, I'm going to upgrade my people to be activated into a of recognition in the spirit and then reflect that into the natural I don't know my musings what do you think Uh, that's
1: that's uh, if I walk around the yard here there's some big dogs and um, sometimes if you step in the wrong place you get stuff all over your shoes so um, I I will tell you on the positive there was a, a pastor of a mega church who um, he, um, he called me one time and he said that the Lord had been speaking to him. And when he read my book, uh, I have a book called Jesus Training Manual. It used to be called Lord Disciple Me. And, um, and he said that the Lord showed him in his church. He said he, he had a heart attack. And while I was in the hospital, the Lord began to speak to him about what it meant to be a disciple. And the Lord asked him while he was in recovery in the hospital, he goes, how many disciples are there in your staff? And he said, there aren't any. And and according to biblical foundation, and, and I'll explain that in a second. And then he said, how many in your elders? And that means people who understand the authority and the power of God could cast out evil spirit and heal the sick who are doing the works that Jesus did. He goes, I don't have any elders that fit that he said in your whole staff not your pastoral staff but like a hundred and some people how many and he said i can think of one or two maybe and but they're like low level positions and and he said in your whole church thirteen thousand people at the time how many and he goes there's a handful of people that i would put into that category but we don't know what to do with those people And, uh, and, and, uh, and this guy has run pretty national events, um, like national global events. And, and he said when he came back to church for the first time after this heart attack, he was sitting in the back of his church and there were in in their church, there's the auditorium and then they've got the cafe and he's sitting in one of the round tables back in the cafe, which the pastor never is there, but you know, everybody knows he's kind of in recovery time. And he's sitting back there, and he puts his head on the table, and he's weeping. And people are coming up to him, oh, pastor, we're praying for you. You're going to be fine. And he's like, they have no idea why I'm weeping. And he said, for the first time, I felt like I could see things through God's eyes. And he said, we had a great show. It was flawless. And he said, but I couldn't see the presence or the power of God. And, and he goes, and there was no disciples and there was no discipleship taking place. And, um, and he, and he was weeping. And when he came in to to leadership and he took back the reins, he goes, we're going to shut everything down for, I forget if it was a month or several months, no programs, no entertainment. We're going to have, You know, no lights, no smoke, no show. And he goes, we need the presence of God, and we need to make disciples. I don't think he continued on that journey because he didn't know how to get there long term. But he said he lost like a third of his leadership quick because he didn't understand what was going on. And he, and he lost like over 3000 people. He goes, but but when I, when he was talking to me, they had built it all back up. And, um, but, but he was on this quest and he was like going and, and he's stayed on the quest. Not, I don't know if they have any healing or deliverance or anything like that going on in their church, but it was like, it was a wake up call. It was, it was someone in that senior position going, what is really going on? Cause I was there. We, we were one of the fast growing churches in the whole Southeast. We were written up in a number of different books at the time. We were on the front end of the wave of churches becoming mega churches. And, um, and it was like, the Lord was taking all that from me. The, I used to think everybody should copy what we're doing. Mm. Um, we, we've arrived. We know how to do this stuff. And the Lord took me into this little inner city church and and he he made me go there 30 people they prayed six hours a day to begin every day it had you know different people construction people all different kind of people that would come in and pray for hours at a time and leave they were taking guys off the street they were taking crack addicts they were taking uh dancers and taking them through deliverance and healing and the lord was humbling me and he goes richard is that more important than this? And and the Lord, he was answering every question that he would ask me. He was like, nobody knows the names of the leaders of this church, but I do. And he was like, like, what matters the most in your eyes and in the eyes of man doesn't matter as much in my eyes. And it was like... uh, for the longest time, the Lord says, "I can't use you. I have to unteach you everything you know before I can really use you." And and it was about a two three year period of just dying to needing a name or needing recognition or size is what matters. Whatever, and size is at all cost. Money and numbers is the science that you want to understand. No matter what it costs, anything that 's going to affect dollars or numbers is not in your scientific grid because it 's a science behind it and And the Lord was like, "Will you lay all that down to listen to my voice and do whatever I ask you to do whenever I ask you to do it?" And it was like it was a death, you know <clears throat> to it was a worthy death it 's a one that I embraced gladly and hurt, you know, sometimes like hell. Sometimes I thought I'm going crazy, you know, because I'm listening to God and he's, and, and, and he strips me of everything. And, but he, then he gives you a robe and a mantle that nobody sees. That, um, most people despise, but, that you see the things in the kingdom of God that not everybody gets to see. And you have keys that you are willing to give to anybody. But people are often following the crowd, you know, because that looks the biggest and the best and the brightest and the shiniest, you know? So that was a very long answer.
0: It was very, very good, though, and anointed. Uh, The thing is, what you're describing, I I think is, look, I think we are at the precipice of a major, major, major shift. And the shift that I see coming is that the ministries that are going to have the power of God resting on them are those seeking the heavenly blueprint. And you've been modeling that for years. Um, God has, well, I mean, in our situation, <laughs> we didn't have anything going for us. It was just like out of obscurity, get rejected by everyone all the time. And then God's like, we're just gonna build this platform and it's gonna be hard, right? So it's just, <laughs> here's our road, right? and. But the mapping to the blueprint of heaven is what unlocks so much of the resources that matter. You know, there's been scientific processes that have been articulated for building ministries that have unlocked resources that look shiny and attract crowds. But does it matter when 30 to 40% of those crowds have parts and demons that are so comfortable in that number, they don't even manifest, though yeah. they sit there for 10 or 15 years, that the devil doesn't find any qualms with that organization because his structures in the society and in the family structure and unit is not being impacted in a significant way that goes into the bloodline iniquity, that goes into the brokenness. You know, many of the satanic cults have great presenters for everyone, mom, dad, brother, sister, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're respected in the community, they're mayors. But at night, they're doing rituals at 3 a.m. And they're showing up in church on Sunday, very comfortable. What is really making the impact? Go ahead. I was ministering
1: to a young lady who, this was before doing broken soul ministry. She needed it, but I, we, I, this was pretty early on in my journey. And I had still been pretty closely attached to this mega church. They had a huge counseling center, um, support groups. And, and I knew a lot of the men that were in the sexual addictions um, component of this ministry and And this girl named every one of them that she had she had had sex with every one of them and and I'm going, I know that this ministry didn't know that was going on. She was in the like women's sexual addiction group and um, and it was just like at the time it for me it was one of those wake-up calls because it was I was still in my very early infancy. I, we didn't have a ministry or anything. She was like one of the second or third person I ever ministered to. And 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 I knew she wasn't making anything up. She was like, had a horrific sexual history, um, incest in the family line. Mm-hmm. And, and so she was uh, almost every week after support groups was getting with a different, man and sleeping with them. And, um, and it was just like, I had this illusion that that was kingdom ministry and that it was being effective. And, uh, and it was like the Lord was just ripping the illusion away of, of um, you know, what we thought was helping people. They're coming and opening up about their, their problems and their issues. But nobody was getting free. Nobody was experiencing the power of God.
0: Oh,
1: my. And, um, and so, you know, it, it is, when I go into those churches, it's like, when I walk in the room, I can look around the room and see witches. Yeah. And they are very comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And they, they react. They react. I, and I'm, I'm a low key. I fit the crowd. I mean, I look the part, you know, some people, you know, that are, you, you know, it's like... They, right. they, Whatever, how they dress, their hair, all that stuff. No, I'm like, this is actually the longest my hair's ever been. You know, I'm like.
0: Um, you no, know, no, you look very pastorly. I mean, yeah. really. I, mean I, I would actually coin it apostle more, but you, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah but,
1: but in, in the spirit realm, it doesn't matter how you look. You can't go with your sunglasses on, you know, and, and you try to come incognito. <laughs> the enemy knows when you walk into the room, you know. And, um, I don't want to create havoc, but a lot of times I will tell pastors stuff will happen, you know, cause I, man, I want you here. And I was like, I, that, I get that, but you got to understand that when that happens, you have to understand that we are in a spiritual war. And if Jezebel's here, she's going to hit you so fast with how you need to get rid of me. Um, and, and, uh, spirits of jealousy will rise up. Because as soon as you release the anointing, half the staff are wanting to see the anointing flow through them, and it hasn't flowed through them in a long time or ever, and so all of a sudden you're marked. You know, Daniel was marked, Joseph was marked, Um, and, and so you've got. Jezebel. I walked into this church, and it was one of the first days. I was walking, I was just going to the bathroom, and I heard a spirit speak to me. And it said, you could rip the heart out of this church. And it was, it was a very seductive voice. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I wouldn't do that. It's not how I think. It's not how I operate. I will operate under authority and, and honor authority. And I was, I was pondering it. And I was at lunch with someone. And I said, I heard a spirit of Absalom speak to me today. I had never studied Absalom I ended up starting to do a study of Absalom because the Lord was showing that there was a spirit of Absalom in that place. And, and that's what I heard that day. It was telling me because people were going to be healed and people were going to experience the anointing. And it was telling me, you'll be able to take the core of leadership with you, you know, whenever you want.
0: Goodness,
1: And I had never experienced anything like that before. You know, there's like 42 or 44 chapters in the Bible that talk about Absalom. I had no idea there was so much about Absalom. I did not either. So, but yeah, the enemy was very comfortable. And it was weird because the people who had the greatest hearing of the pastor... Um, some people said it was like a ma- mafia mentality um, and, and, it, and it, they were all big guys, but they were all trying to guard their position in the hen house, you know, <clears throat> and you felt it, you could see it, you know, jockeying for position and they would put someone else down to put themselves in a better place and, um, and it was all spiritual. You know, it it is, if you don't understand that it is a spiritual battle, we're not fighting flesh and blood, principalities, power, spiritual forces of wickedness. And most people aren't aware of that. And man, how do you, you got to get a grip on that if you're going to see a church really spiritually break through. And I don't see too many really understanding that realm or wanting to
0: understand it. Well, that's, that's so true i'm I'm thinking about some things as you're talking now uh, one of the other things that i'm thinking about however is you know here you are as in as a guest discerning some things but you've also been on the other side of this where you are the minister and here comes the church split agenda full of accusation and every Kind of thing that goes along with that. You've navigated that. I've navigated that. Now, everyone that listens to this podcast, or at least a majority of them, are aware of it because it's well, our stuff was very public, and you know, praise God, uh, we, we're, we're we're you know just continuing on our journey. But you have navigated some things, and you've received a lot of wisdom, and, I, and I, you know, because you you told me this a little bit about some of the stuff you you've navigated, and and there's so much wisdom that you've kind of harnessed as a result of coming through that overcoming. And, and, and if you could, I'd like to let you speak to a little bit about it because for many ministries, and let me just say this for many ministries that decide to take the adventure with Jesus and say, okay, there are problems. The body of Christ does not know how to solve or has not become very proficient at solving yet. Uh, including people that have defected from programming related to the military activities that are black budget projects and related to certain three-letter agencies, like high-level satanic cults that shatter children into a million pieces, beginning sometimes preconception uh, and uh, other really tough cases, you know? And, And so you're taking a journey, you're trying to take people with you Bring up others that are able to help the larger body of people that are now converging to get their healing and their breakthrough because there's a source of light and how the enemy gets in the middle of that to create accusation, division, and and, and ultimately complete destruction. So, uh, talk to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'd read some of um, the account of what happened in your ministry. And it was easier to sift through because um, of my own experience. Uh, I know that the people who years ago um, broke from our ministry, um, fortunately, I just wasn't as public um, and because I didn't have any radio or TV or internet presence, you know, to speak of. So uh, it was public in, in our small arena. But, um, there are people that today I love and people today who I respect, who I would love to be in close fellowship with, but who I also watched, um, the scheme of the enemy. I know it was spiritual in nature. It wasn't human, although it became personal, um, not from, not from my vantage point, um, I think I recognize this is a scheme of the enemy. I actually recognized it before anything negative went down Mm -hmm. because um, funny thing, if it's funny, is that it was in relation to what we're talking about kind of today, broken soul ministry, parts ministry, you know, SRA, all that kind of stuff. And we were early on in our journey. We were seeing people that we knew you know, had been fractured. We, we we didn't know how to use the terms because we didn't want to buy everything that the psychological community was giving us. We wanted to find it in the word of God and things like that. And so I was more going to be more careful, methodical in my movement towards it. And I had some major red flags about some of the people that um, – they were doing investigation. One of them that they investigated a little bit was Preston Bailey, who lives here in Tampa, who, um, you know, it, it was like, um, they represented me to him and him to me. So back all those years ago, I didn't connect with him, partly because of what they said he said about me and and we had never met. So I, I don't even give credit to that being said because I understand the way you know, the, the communication happens. So since then we've connected and and I have a high regard for him, but, but it was only hearsay. And I was like, going, it didn't, their representation of him to me was meant to shame me into coming under them and going, you're right. I must, you know, just come along with this because someone smarter than me is saying that, that I should, you know, and, um, and it, but it was all like, I'm going the way that, things were gone about by them um, some of the people that they did connect with were majorly not in the right place Mm -hmm. and so I was saying let's not bring this to our whole team Um, let's let's process this together let's grow together challenge me and I let me challenge you well what happened is for six months there was all kind of communication with other team members about my beliefs that when one of my closest friends came to me and said, Richard, why do you believe this? I was like, wait a second. We've never had a conversation on this subject. So what you're telling me right now is that somebody has told you what I believe. Yeah. But why that? And I was like, first of all, that's a misrepresentation of anything that I've ever said to anybody. And it gives me a serious red flag because we shook hands and agreed that we wouldn't be talking with everybody about this. And I figured out, within a matter of hours that everybody on the team had been told things they had been educating all my team members and telling them how I was opposed and all these different things and I was like wow and I watched almost overnight a team of 20 well-trained oh we, we were so tight it was amazing what a community and almost all of them I were not a part of my team anymore because I wasn't ready to cross that line with them. Now, almost none of them are doing ministry now. Um, mm-hmm. The the people that they were standing behind and saying they need, we needed to follow to learn from, none of them are connected with that person anymore. and And for good reason, they wouldn't be connected with that person, would actually tell people not to be connected with that person. That's what I was saying. Um, None of them have come back and said, Richard, man, I wish we hadn't done that to you. And I wish we had walked through this together. But in all of that, it was very painful to me. But I always go on, to me, it was a wake-up call. Because I thought, first of all, I thought our team is too strong. Our unity is too strong. We've been discipled. We understand spiritual warfare. And I was going, I thought we were immune to Jezebel. I thought we were immune to this type of schemes of the enemy. And if anything, I learned, don't ever fool yourself. Um, You know, and and so now I educate team members, I, I see how the enemy works. And what I was explaining to you earlier is one of the things that I believe in, in discipleship is empowering people. I like to let them know that there's nothing that I do. There's no anointing that I have that I can't help them walk in, that I can't, that they don't, it's already part of their inheritance. It's just with with proper discipleship, they can do everything. And many times I'm teaching someone how to hear God, and they have more powerful dreams than me. They have more powerful prophetic words than me. I will champion it. I will put them up on a pedestal and go, look, I, I help people get authored. I help people get, um, you know, speaking engagements. I help people in all kinds of arenas. I, I want them to speak in our events. What happens is I know what, what the anointing feels like. When the Lord uses you, it can feel pretty heady, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and what I watch almost every disciple go through at some point is they look back and they're like, I've run ahead of my, of my mentor. Mm-hmm. And, and the enemy comes in and speaks subtly and says, he's holding you back, you know, or this or that. I mean, there, and there's a myriad of different ways. And, 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 and when, when if we really can build a community of mutual honor and respect and recognize we are stronger together than apart, and I believe we can work through differences. We have to learn to work through disagreements and differences um, if we're going to be sons of the kingdom of God, if we're going to do the work of the kingdom of God. And so, um, but unfortunately, all of us are also susceptible to the voice of the enemy. And, and, and we begin to see each other as our enemy rather than the, the true kingdom of darkness. And, um, and so, yeah, the, the, you know, Jezebel gets in there and you give Jezebel a voice and she's going to try to come against the anointing.
0: You know, there's so much as you're saying, and you know, I have a lot of thoughts running through my head. But one of the things that is just very, I I think, um, frustrating for people is the tension that comes from the place of brokenness and injury and offense. Because when a person, and I I include myself in this comment because I've worked through some of these issues myself, when a person comes from a background where leadership has been a negative experience, or has intentionally held them back in ways that anyone can look at the playbook and say, oh, they hit you with the this and that. That's the one-two punch right there. They just sat you down and there's no justice behind it. There is a, 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 an injury and an offense that gets oh. lodged. And so they may go in shame or in rejection to another place and find another oasis but God is still taking them because their heart is still for God. And so then now they find themselves in a new situation, new leadership. Oh man, you know, um, they take me a little higher, but now God is really using me to do some things that anointing hits. And then, like you said, whoa, what's moving through me feels a little bit more powerful than what's moving through him. And that offense gets tickled. And that triggers a door that just opens wide to Absalom and Jezebel. And when the leader says, oh my gosh, you have the anointing and this is great, but there's something on the inside of you that cannot be platformed right now. The offense gets tickled again. And now wisdom translates as rejection and as a a, a conspiracy. And so people then, instead of getting the right message that let me deal with this, they get the wrong message. Everyone's out to get me. No man can pastor me. Yep. And that person becomes a very, very difficult gift to seat, even for Jesus. Yep. Yep. And guess what? As an internet ministry, I deal with this all day long, my friend. And you know, my one benefit is that since I had to overcome it, I'm like, I get it, I understand. Um, but what you're—it it needs to be shared from a platform because this is the playbook of the devil.
1: Yep. So especially when someone is on team, it is going being aware of the schemes. Like I try to explain them to people. And then when they're hearing the voice of the enemy, like I've got some team members now that I believe we could go through the hard, hard stuff together. Even though I believed that before I believe it, bet more now. And they're like, they will now explain how the scheme began to come against them and began to operate against them. And as they walk through that, they're more endeared. You know, because they're going, you know, he taught me, he warned me, this came up. I processed the attack of the enemy, his lies about Richard and about our relationship and about this. We talked through these things. And now it's like you weather those storms a few times. And and it's like David and his mighty men, you know. Here here was Saul, and he's got a giant killer on his team who is so absolutely loyal and trustworthy, and he can't wait to get rid of him. And then David has a ragtag bunch of ruffians who at one point want to kill him, you know, have one bad day and they want to kill him. And but he continues to honor them, continues to pour into them, and and in the end is they're known as his mighty men, you know, and they were they were debtors, you know, runaways, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and and but they would fight to the death for him, and I'm like, you know, and then David also had Absalom, you know. So and part of that was because of a lack of fathering, Mm -hmm. even though he knew how to lead mighty men, he missed it with a son, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can all we can all fill all of those roles. You know, there are, you know, there are some sons now that I I watch get full of himself and watch take interesting journeys in the ride and 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 i'm like going god is what i'm doing now in this role as fathering good because there's some that i i pulled back from because they're they know more than anybody else and they are you know um you know blazing their their trail and i'm very concerned about things and i go i don't have their ear you know and the lord's like let them go for the season and many times the son comes back but i'm like going lord please don't let this become an absalom you know let me know where my role in is in these relationships you know and um so yeah it's it's quite an interesting journey with the whole bride of christ you know i I got best friends that are pastors that um you know I love them and we don't see eye to eye but it doesn't matter you know and then I've got some that think I'm of the devil you know and um you know would warn people about me and you know yeah then you got those that are hungry to learn and be discipled and grow and uh, I spend more of my energy I see when I looked at Jesus' response to the synagogue, it helped me. Because for a while, I was disillusioned, and I was angry. Why didn't they teach me these things? Why did they keep this stuff from me? Well, they can't teach you what they don't have. So I got past that. And so there's no—it doesn't do any good to look down, you know, uh, or, or despise. But Jesus, you know how much energy he spent talking about the synagogues? Almost nothing. He was about his father's business and he went into the synagogues and he ministered there. And sometimes he was driven out to the crest of the hill to be thrown off, you know, by the people in the synagogues and other times he was welcomed, but he didn't spend his energy trying to change that animal. He was about building the bride, you know? And so it's like, the Lord has just really set me free from feeling it's not part of my agenda. I want the Lord to use me in every church that he opens the door to. I want to, you know, be responsible with the spiritual authority that God has placed there and over me. Yes. But sometimes that means saying things that people don't want you to say, you know, because you're not out to win a popularity contest. God usually shows up when you're willing to do that but you know, that's not, that's not disrespect. It is not dishonor. It is going, if God gives that platform, I want to be faithful with it, you know, to do whatever he asks of me, you know? So, but I don't need, like,
0: Jesus didn't look for platforms. Wow. I'm resonating with so much of what you're saying, you know, and I'm here. And I remember for so long, like, this is my little journey, right? And my little thinker, in my 20s, I'm like, there's only one thing I want to do, God. I just want to preach. I just want to preach. Just one time. <laughs> <laughs> so God said, write a book. Like, I don't want to write a book. I want to preach. Write a book. Maybe if I write a book, then I'll preach. No. Start a podcast. No one's going to invite you to their church. Just do the podcast. But all I want to do is preach God. Do a podcast. (laughs) It was years before God finally let me preach. And the first time I was allowed to preach, it was to... I don't know nine people in a church, which was really more of a home group that met in a building. Um, and and you know, it, it, it was just from very very early on, I had all of these objectives, and God was like, "It's not going to work that way." Period. You, you're not going to maneuver your way into any kind of thing, Daniel. We're going to build this my way from the beginning. And that's going to mean that you do whatever I say and anything you try, I will ensure that it fails. And it did over and over. And uh, it, it, but it's really interesting because, you know, it's like that heart condition that just says, okay, this is a season where God is introducing new models and modes of operation that may borrow pieces of wisdom from past moves And will be built upon the shoulders of those that have gone forward in the gospel but not in the same buildings or on the same platforms necessarily and you just have to be more concerned with what he's saying than what's been done and fitting into that in a how how do you say this in a way that would make others more comfortable it's just this thing it's like no what I'm building I need people to sign up for something new that may require a little bit of you know rejection it may require a loss of opportunity as the world would see it and you just got to be okay with that and and it's it's interesting because you're saying the same you're just saying it I'm I'm navigating you're saying it and I just find it so fascinating go ahead
1: there was one day I, um, for three years, I had no position, no title. I didn't start a ministry. I was experiencing the power of God, but I really felt like I was on the backside of the desert. I, I spent a good portion of every day at the foot of my bed. My wife was watching the kids and I would be in our bedroom with the Bible open on my face saying, disciple me. <clears throat> and, and And I would get opportunities to speak and do things, but I, I couldn't charge anybody anything because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And 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 then I would cast demons out of people. People would get healed, but I honestly couldn't hardly explain to anybody what I was doing. And and it, it just God was just showing up and things were happening, you know. And um and we paid every bill on time. I didn't have a position. My wife didn't have a position. I mean, seriously, nothing. And for three years, we paid all of our bills on time. And during that phase, I had a friend that said, hey, Richard, you're pretty good with computers. Could I hire you for a month to learn this software and then teach our people how to use it? <laughs> and I was like, I was living by faith, living on about $20,000. And it God would just speak to people to come and bring us money. And people gave us cars. People gave us vacations. Um, I didn't have, I wasn't. I didn't have Facebook, you know, I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything. The only way people would know was if God spoke to them, you know? And, and so it, it was pretty amazing, pretty miraculous how we lived, but um, it was tight. So I'm thinking this will be cool. I'll make a little bit of money and, and I love doing this kind of thing. So I jumped in there and I was working with this guy and it was one day that he said, Richard, um, we, we were designing signs, um, granite signs, which was mostly gravestones, okay? And um, so I figured out the software. I was kind of teaching his people how to do it. And one day he said, Richard, we've never had to ask you to help us, but this is the biggest sign we've ever had. And we got a couple guys out. Could you help us? So I'm usually in the computer room, dressed nice. And I, and this was – I was ashamed of doing this because I was went from church pastor to – designing great Okay. And, uh, and the sign was designed for a church that was all the guys that I used to be on staff with. They had, they had planted another church. And so it was a church now about a thousand or 1200 strong. And, um, you know, just about two or three years old. And these were my posse. And, and, and I'm being asked to go put a, giant granite sign in front of the property and I knew this was a setup from God because there was nowhere that I would least want to be now I love these people I was still pretty close to them but I'm on this journey with God where I'm hearing his voice and he's stripping me of everything that matters and here I'm going to be in my jeans and old shirt you know digging a platform and, and helping to set this granite stone. And I'd be waving at my old pastor friends. And, and I, I was, they said that like some of the key leaders, like national leaders that came in and, and worked with our staff said, this is the dark horse, this young man. Cause I was just the young guy. They said, he's the guy that's going to go places, you know, and pave the way for him because he's, you know, got what it takes. So here I am, no position, no title, and I'm helping set a granite stone in front of this property. They don't understand what all God's doing in my life. I I couldn't explain to anybody what God was doing in my life, but I knew the Lord wanted me to go that there that day, that it was a death that had to happen, you know, in front of all my peers. I want you to be willing to do what I want you to do. I want you to go set this marker. And I just said, yes, Lord. I was at that place of yes to everything for the Lord. And I was out there, and I, sure enough— if they were going to come in, it was while I was there, you know, so everybody's driving in and we're waving and, and nobody came out to say hi to me, to talk to me. You know, I mean, these are guys I used to go jogging with and be on staff meetings with and, and everything like that. And I heard the Holy spirit speak to me that day. He said, you graduated today. Come on! I did not even know I was in some kind of school, but he said, I graduated. Now let me tell you within about a month, We had our first event called the 40 day revolution. Um, It was originally called this means war. And within eight months, Lou Engel and I met in California and he said, Richard, would you bring a million copies of this book to Washington DC? And I was speaking all over the nation and this book was going all over the world. And it was like the Lord, when I gave up the need to ever have a platform, the Lord gave me the biggest platform. And I have walked away from pretty major platforms Every time I do it now, I'm excited because I'm, like, going, I can't wait to see what God is going to do next, you know? Because every time he takes me away from a platform, he's grooming me for something more significant. Even though it looks like a step down, it's like Joseph was on a progression um, that nobody could see. It made sense to nobody except God. He was setting
0: him up for the place that he wanted him. But yes, I, Joseph went from the father's favorite into servanthood to a, a master from another nation as a slave into a prison house, yeah. going down, down, down to what? Literally save the world. Yeah. Literally save. And, and oh my gosh, this is the thing. And I, I've told a few people this, but I really believe. That the pioneers that are solving the crisis of soul fracturing, of the influence of government projects, because the the scientists and the community of the deep state, the shadow government, the cabal worldwide, and all of the dark forces they work with have produced a brokenness they assumed could never be undone. Yep it won't be fixed, it can't be fixed, and this will ensure our success. Breaking people and interfacing them with technology to the point that they assume no one, even among the body of Christ with the power of Jesus will be able to solve the problems that we're gonna create for the world. Yeah. That there are pioneers now unearthing the solution set of Jesus to quite literally save at least large pockets of the world with strategies that will allow for the transition of whole geographies and some nations and governments. That's So I see that. And to me, it's like there's a Joseph company that's being positioned for business. There's a Joseph company that's being positioned to solve problems not even, I I really believe that Satan himself assumed no one would ever figure this out.
1: Yep. Yep. And the cool thing when you're really on this journey with the Lord is you get to the place where if we solve it and there's, and we train somebody else and they get all the credit, it honestly doesn't matter one bit. You know what I mean? It's like, Jesus made himself of no reputation. Reputation is way overrated, you know, and it's like, like vindication is nice when it happens, but the only vindication we really need is Jesus. I had a dear friend not too long ago, um, who for various circumstances, um, was separating from me. And he said, we're incompatible. And he was somebody that I hold in really high regard, even now. And there was a spiritual battle that, that surrounded that. I believe that, that we were meant to serve together because more damage could be done in the kingdom um, together than, than separate. But the Lord also gave me freedom. But when he said those words, I heard the Holy spirit speak so loud to me. He goes, Richard, you're compatible with me. And it was like, even though the, this this dear brother was doing a lot of damage to me, um, in in a broader picture, I just had this joy in my spirit that was like, "That's really all that counts." But the, you know, you could take everything, just give me Jesus, and and there's such a reality to that. The kingdom of God can't be bought. At any price, you know, um, it, it is worth whatever it costs um, when we're doing the stuff. And it was interesting because I believe part of why we why that separation came is the journey that God was calling me on into this stuff. And he was like, I have to jettison people that aren't going to understand this call um, because th- they will stand in the way. And so, even though I think there was stuff that was diabolical, as it was of the enemy, it was also the Lord going. And I've seen that over and over again. When I created the study Bible, the God Speaks Bible, it was like I had a lot of my board members leave almost overnight. People that told me weeks before that they were committed long term, this was the most incredible thing they'd ever seen, were leaving my board without really seemingly anything happened. And the Lord was like, Richard. You couldn't take the investment that this is going to take with these people on your board because they want to see results. They want to see numbers. They're not going to understand you locking yourself away, taking a cut and pay for a year to do this. And, and, um, and the Lord has provided. He was like, I'll take your billionaires away from you. Trust me. I'm your provider. I seriously, I, my, my board was mostly billionaires at one point or multi multi-millionaires. and they were gone almost overnight. And the Lord was like, do you trust me? And I was like, absolutely. You know? And, and, um, and so, so many amazing miracle financial stories and blessings and stuff like that. And, and um, you just go, man, the closer you get to the heart of God, the more, somebody said it the other day, they said, if you're doing this for these kind of people, you're going to experience the Lord kissing you. And I was like, yes, right now I'm driving a $25,000 vehicle that I paid nothing for, you know? And I'm like, and and I wasn't asking for it. I, I take care of my kids. I take care of other people. And the Lord's like, Richard, I just want to give you this. Mm -hmm. And so somebody gave me this, you know, 2017 Honda CRV and mint condition special edition. You know, uh, you know I got, that's what I'm driving. I, I'm, I'm on this property that I, I didn't have. Our ministry didn't have any money, you know, and, um, and it looks like a million bucks. You know, the room I could take you on a, on a tour. You know, God's given us a healing center. Today I was talking to someone, and I don't know what they mean by this, but I know they have the capacity. They go, if money's no object, what would you be doing now? And I said, everything that I'm doing, I said, but we buy the property next to us that has 19 mobile homes on it because there are people that are wanting to sell everything they have to come and get free and get healing. And they're, they're living in places where they're surrounded by the powers of darkness and they need a place to escape. And, and I believe that God's raising up a team here to be able to minister to those people. And so that's, that's what I would do. You And know, I'm like, going, I, I won't be surprised if funds come in for that, but it's because I don't, I don't care about money. Uh, I'm not, I don't like, I, I don't need any of that. I, I want to see us doing the stuff Jesus did. I want to see cap set free, the sick healed. I want to know more about how to there are people in my life that I care so much about that I'm going, I know that the power is there for them. And I have not been affected at seeing them get set free yet. And all that does is motivate me. You know, it doesn't matter how many miracles I've seen. And we could talk all day miracle stories. I got books about miracles, you know, that we've seen. Um, But the ones that motivate me are the ones that I haven't seen the breakthrough yet. Okay. That's why I called you because I'm going I don't care if you're fifteen years younger than me or however many years younger than me than you are. 20 years younger than I, how old are you? <laughs> how old are you?
0: Well, I don't know that my audience even knows how old I am. I'm actually uh, still thirty three. So you're more than twenty years younger than me, and
1: I called you because I was like, if you know something that I don't know, I want everything you know. Now I'm not ashamed to say, I, I hope you forgive me. I want to tell everybody that I know everything that I learned from you, okay? Um, because we need a multitude of people set free, you know? So I, I, I'm not keeping anything from anybody. I, 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 I don't know anything that I don't want others to know, you know? I'm, I'm not the guru. I'm not the know-it-all. I'm not, I, I am just a disciple. I am a learner who's trying to help as many people learn as much as they can to do the stuff that Jesus, I believe, is on the center of his heart. And I think you're dead on. I believe that Satan's been operating, thinking he's unhindered, in building an end times army um, to um, all the shooters and stuff like that. The church doesn't have an answer for that. We do. The bride of Christ does. Jesus does. Um, and, and it's being exposed where all that's really coming from. And, you know, going to the psychiatrist is not the answer for this. It's the part of the problem, you know, and, and and all the solutions that the world is touting are actually part of the problem. And it's only sons of God that are beginning to get a wake up call and the answers. And, and it is ahead of the curve. And, but I believe a lot of the stuff now, like in my city, a lot of people talk about healing and deliverance 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Nobody did, you know? Wow. And wow. so I'm like going a little bit of Leaven's leavens the lump, you know? Yes. So I'm like going, if 20 years from now, everybody knows how to deprogram people and set captives free. Then I'm like, I don't care if anybody ever gives me any credit or if I, if you could point back that the thread came through this source, it matters not. But yes. if that is true 20 years from now, I'm going, I will, I could disappear into oblivion, a happy man, because wow. whether I had anything to do with it or not, doesn't matter what I wanted to see
0: has come to pass. You know, Richard, uh, we could probably extend this podcast for another two, three, four hours or days, uh, pick your night. Yep. So they're falling asleep and we got to go raise the dead because they fell out of the window. (laughs) Come on now. Um, I so appreciate you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Uh, Folks, let me just say this. Um, I'm going to invite Richard back at some point because we have a lot more stuff just to talk about and uh, things that I think will impart a great deal of value to you. But for now, just understand, you can find... Uh, Richard Mull at OperationLightForce.com. He has books, he has teachings, he has all kinds of stuff. Um, and and you can also sow into their ministry at the website. They have a similar vision to us. I mean, I think you're a little bit further ahead because you have a lot picked out. One of the things on our heart is to see that God is going to, I, I, I mean, give us an a way to transition survivors that need to escape physically from abuse and handler situations so that they can begin a healing journey Um, and so you know I I think this is something that's just going out it's a strategy from heaven and so we're going to be believing God with you guys for some breakthrough there and you know folks uh, I just want to say thank you again my pleasure. Thank you
1: for what you're doing.
0: Well, that's why we're here. Until next time, you've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.